Welcome to Political Coffee, your one-hour thought-provoking news and commentary as you begin your day. And now, here's your host, Jeff Krupp. And good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past six. Great to be with you to talk politics over a cup of coffee. Because, you know, that cup of coffee, uh, it wakes you up. Boy, a lot of people are woke today. In Oregon, blue Oregon isn't nearly as blue as everybody thinks it is and therein lies the opportunity for you to do what change your world by having meaningful conversations persuasive conversations with people in your world that are actually persuadable hmm By the way, did you watch the, um, I, you know, I wasn't really going to talk about this, but man, uh, look, I, I have to confess something, okay? I, I hate to do this, but I'm going to confess it. I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't have a lot of interest in hearing anything Joe Biden has to say for a number of reasons. I mean, even with Obama, you know, I would want to hear his lies and his divisive language so that I could talk about it. I just have no interest with Joe Biden. But I determined I was going to listen. I didn't want to. So I'm fighting a little bit of a cold, and I... I um, I laid down on the couch and, and, you know, they were announcing Biden. He was walking in and all these preening Congress people, senators and House members shaking hands, wanting to be seen right on the front rows. And they get camera time, FaceTime on the camera as Joe Biden walks in and shakes their hand. All of that. The pomp and the circumstance of the State of the Union speech. And so I, you know, I. I fell asleep. Folks, I missed the entire thing. No kidding. And I missed, I I got in like on two or three minutes of the very end of Fox News. Actually, uh, you know, the commentators commentating on Joe Biden's speech, what it wasn't. So I just... I, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to talk a whole lot about it because I didn't see it. I've seen some clips, yes, this morning, and I'm reading this story not about Biden. I mean, it's obvious what he wasn't going to talk about. He wasn't going to talk about the southern border in any meaningful way. He wasn't going to talk about crime in America other than say, we've got to refund the police. But what about Nancy Pelosi standing up and cheering when Biden talked about soldiers bringing, breathing in American Soldiers in foreign lands bringing in, breathing in toxic smoke from the burn pits. She stands up and applauds for that. And and then I I had to see this uh, 
looking at Kamala Harris. Freddie sent me a picture of Kamala Harris, kind of a close-up. And there's an arrow to her throat. And it says, what's this? With question mark. And it looks like she has an Adam's apple. What? Yeah. That I'd never saw before. That's just so weird. At the bottom of the hour, we have Kerry McQuiston, Republican uh, governor's candidate, is going to be joining us. Uh, we'll have a 12-minute conversation with her, and I'll ask her those same questions. Why are you running for office? What are you hearing out there? How are you going to deal with typical expected Democrat attacks on you if you win the primary? We're going to talk with her about that. And um, 503-589-1220 is the Power Buick GMC talk line, 503-589. And we will... I'm going to ask Phil to call Jesse so that we can get an update from her on how the first leg of the trucker convoy leaving Oregon, um, how it went yesterday and where they're headed today and what they expect today. Again, 503-589-1220, the Power Buick GMC talk. Then you can shoot me an email to jeff at 1220.am or jeff at kslm.news. Let's go to Art. Art, good morning to you. Hi, Jeff. I watched the whole thing. Uh, sorry you're not feeling well. I could understand uh, falling asleep if you weren't feeling well. Uh, <laughs> but I watched every bit of it because I'm very concerned on what is transpiring. Putin's a butcher, and we need to treat him like a butcher. But more importantly, we have the CCP... Iran, who would all like to do exactly what Putin is doing right now to us. Make no mistake of it. And if we don't stay strong, okay, that's what these people would do. And, you know, Biden, uh, he's clueless. He said a couple good remarks about that situation. However, the only reason we're in that situation is because of his performance in Afghanistan, his performance, uh, you know, concerning our military and stuff. Now they want to cut the budget of the military, cut the budget. The Democrats want to cut the budget of the military with all this garbage going on. Jeff, I know. If you ever watched the movie Red Dawn, okay, I did. Yes. If we're not careful, that's exactly where we're going to be, and that's why we need strong leadership. We need a strong governor, a governor who will sever those cables running from China uh, into our country, uh, and. Treat those people like they need to be treated because they're all butchers. They are butchers, Jeff, and they don't care about life. They don't care about religion. All they care about is their money and power, my brother. 
Uh, and well, you got that I right, be... Art. I'm going to let you go, brother. I mean, you're, you're right about that 100%. Um, and I look, the Great reality day. is, you know, those, those cables you talk about, the ones that Hello. Kate Brown keeps allowing the Chinese government to land on the southern Oregon coast, these underground sea cables, internet cables, yeah, we ought to cut them. The day is coming when we're going to have to get tough, tough with them. Um, we're going to bring on uh, Jesse Lee, who joins us right now. Jesse, good morning. Good morning. Hey, thank you for um, agreeing to uh, talk with us each day. All right, so how did the first day of the Oregon Trucker Convoy turn out for you? It was so great. We uh, we met in Troutdale. It was a small group of us there, but um, pouring, <laughs> pouring down rain. I couldn't believe anybody showed up. Um, but it was... Um, it was super awesome. We chatted, we prayed, we, um, we sang, and then we, uh, they sent us off. And, um, I think we have about eight vehicles with, um, that left there to come over to Boise. Um, and as soon as we turned the first corner, there were just people everywhere lined up from wow. like, there was people in Troutdale on, on the side of the road with flags and, is um, that right? Cool. And then almost every single overpass that we passed from Troutdale to Pendleton, they were in the Dalles, they were in, um, I don't even know. It was in, in the rain, in the, they were in the, on the side of the road, they had their trucks parked, like even in where there was no overpasses, just in some of the really like desolate areas, there were trucks um, lined up on the side of the road and with flags and everything. And, um, or out in the field, actually, not even on the side of the road. Um, and in the dark, they were out there in the dark. People waited for, for really? I don't even know how long. Ah. Um, yeah, just, and this, the craziest part is Oregon was um, kind of back and forth on whether there was going to be one leaving from Oregon because so many of the truckers went and joined up with the Spokane or Fresno because um, those ones left a little bit earlier. And so there wasn't, wasn't as many leaving. And so it was kind of, kind of back and forth on whether it was even going to happen. And so everything was so last minute and it was so incredible. Um, when we got to Pendleton, we heard that, um, people were calling each other along the way. So somebody from the Troutdale called their family member in the Dalles and was like, all right, the, the convoy is on, they're going to be there, get your friends out on you know on the bridge um so it was it was so cool there was so many i mean just american flags everywhere Everywhere. and um all the signs were super positive and just um you know freedom and pro-america and um yeah it was it was super cool and exactly what um you know what we're hoping for that that unifying of of just people getting behind this and uh, and coming together so it was uh it was really great and we we got to pendleton and we stopped for a minute the um the convoy stopped there overnight but um we i i had to get to boise so we are actually in boise right now um because we have to set up and get the sound system and everything set right, up this morning. You're, you're doing uh, you're singing some um at this rally in boise today. yes yeah, so we have, we're actually playing, um, we'll be playing um, kind of before the people, we have their speakers, there's the lieutenant governor, they have a whole lineup of um, people speaking at this one, and we'll be playing before, we'll be playing after, and then 
um, I think like in the middle, we're going to um, do a couple and, and pull the, the flag out, the um, flag called freedom and uh, the, the 40 by 60 foot flag that we have with us. And uh, so, yeah, we're, we're excited. It's going to be, it's going to be another big day. It'll be awesome folks. Check out Jesse Lee's website with that flag, her singing in front of it on stage. You can see it. If you go to Jesse Lee, L E I G H official.com. That's Jesse Lee official.com. Jesse have a marvelous day out there. Hope that the rally and uh, your next uh, leg of the tour goes well, and we will talk with you tomorrow. Thank you. Jesse Lee, ladies and gentlemen, she's on the tour. How great to hear that virtually every overpass had people on it. That's that's so cool. That's you know, this is this is what we needed. All right. When we come back, um, eight ways our mask rules in Oregon crumbled into comedic chaos uh, from the Taxpayers Association of Oregon's on Oregon Watchdog. And then the Republicans say they, here in Oregon, they blocked the OHA from basically having the same power as the governor. You know, with this new permanent mask rule thing that isn't permanent. The Republicans are saying they blocked it. They negotiated a compromise. Well, that's easy to do when you're sticking around to get bought off with $100 million for your rural areas, isn't it? I'll say more about that and take phone calls. Tim's on the line. Tim, hang on. 503-589-1220 is the power of Buick GMC Talkman. Back in a moment. Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp. We are back. It is 22 minutes before the top of the hour. In a moment, we're going to chat with Tim, who was gracious enough to hang on over the break. want to remind you, Freedom Heating and Air stands apart from many of their competitors here in the Mid-Valley area. The reason they do that is because they are, well, they have focused on emergency services. In other words, getting out to your home or your business, your apartment complex, and immediately fixing your problem. That's pretty special. And it's partly how they built this business, for, again, for over 40 years in the Mid-Valley area here. But they also go out of the area. So why don't you give them a call? If you're not comfortable at home, call them. 503-580-1456. 503-580-1456. Check out their website, freedomheatingandair.net. It's all one word, freedomheatingandair.net. Got an email from Sam, and you can send me an email to Jeff at 1220.am or Jeff at KSLM.news. Sam writes about governor's candidates. At the bottom of this hour, we're going to have Kerry McQuiston on, Republican running in a crowded field, 
for the Republican nomination for governor. Sam writes this, says, thank you for having the Republican gubernatorial candidates on our show. It's been very informative. I enjoyed yesterday's show with Bridget Barton and like what she had to say, except when she said government's job is to value the people that are most vulnerable and to take care of them, unquote. I'm not sure if what she meant by taking care means more government programs, but it seems like a lot of conservative Republicans have a misunderstanding of the role of government. I used to think the government was supposed to take care of people, too. But I learned that the role of government is to secure our rights, not pretend to provide housing at extremely high cost, by the way, food and health care. It is not supposed to distribute goods. It's not. It's supposed to defend the life, liberty and property of the American citizen, which just doesn't seem to be happening. I appreciate Bridget Barton's passion for the vulnerable and, and the desire to mitigate crime. I'd like her tactic to direct the cause of Oregon's problem on the Democratic Party. But cowardly Republican leaders have also failed Oregonians. If Republican legislators understood their role, according to the Constitution, then Oregon would be a thriving straight state. I call on everyone running for any office or currently serving to have a thorough understanding of our U.S. and state constitutions. Hey, I call on all Oregonians to start learning their rights. And one of the best ways to do that is by attending Liberty First University Constitution class at the River Church on Wednesday light, night, like tonight. Everyone listening, I ask you to please come. You will be enlightened. It's the River Church over there by Harbor Freight, Liberty First Constitution class. He is so very right. My understanding of the Constitution and my fidelity to it has grown, but not when I went into the Oregon legislature, into the House. It grew a little bit during that time, but it really grew afterwards. When I studied it, when I learned it at a different level and learned what it meant. This is your night. Liberty First University Constitution class tonight. I think that starts at 7 o'clock at the River Church in Salem. Let's go to Tim. Tim, thanks for hanging on. Your thoughts today? Well, what I find interesting in this whole discussion is what we accomplish with those sanctions. Will they stop Russia? Will they give back what they've already taken? Will they uh, leave? Will they keep their military where they are right now? If you don't stop them and they take over Ukraine, what are we going to do? Put military on the border? Do you think the Russians will not have a military on the border to protect them because we're showing them that they need to worry that we might do something? And are we going to respond when Russia puts military on the border? I find it absolutely amazing that there's no one saying, are Russia, is Russia going to stop? If they stop, will they leave? Just like Crimea. So yeah, they're, anything... they're not going to leave. Go ahead. They're, no. Tim, they are not going to leave. Okay. And the only way they, they will, the only way out of this, well, there are two outcomes. They take over the country completely and they mass on the borders and they begin to threaten the NATO countries that border like Moldova, like Romania, 
certainly Poland, Lithuania, all of those other countries. And then NATO's got to decide if they're going to stand up and fulfill the NATO mission and push back. And we've got a lot of American troops over there. That's the first. The second thing is, if this continues to turn out badly for Putin, so maybe he takes over only part of the country. And, the, and he, this, this gets into a bloody stalemate. And the world continues to shun him and the ruble, which fell by 30 percent. You being former bank guy, I understand what that means. But that means for Putin at home, he has to save face. So somehow he has to for him to be able to walk away and he won't walk away, but he may not inhabit the entire country. He's got to be able to have an off ramp somewhere, save face. He's got to be able to save to the Russian people, okay, we achieved our goal, we did this, and every day that they bomb and kill civilians, and that gets seen on social media, because they haven't shut off the internet, and now Elon Musk, as you know, has made his satellite internet available, turned on, and they're sending all of these the equipment into Ukraine. Every day that America, the world, sees the violence and death and destruction and the impact on human beings, civilians, like we've never seen it before. Every day, Vladimir Putin loses. He's got to come up with something quickly. Otherwise, I predict he's in really bad shape at home in Russia. Back in a moment with Kerry McQuiston. Thanks, Tim. Kerry McQuiston running for the Oregon governor's office. Back in a moment. Call Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp. It's 24 minutes before the top of the hour. Great to have you talking politics because it impacts your life and your world. Every day, your understanding of how those issues of political issues, your understanding of that helps you change your world by having persuasive conversations with the persuadable people in your world, not the crazy people, but the persuadable people. And nothing is more important than the power of the governor's office. And joining us right now is Republican gubernatorial candidate, Carrie McQuiston. She is the mayor of Baker City. Carrie, good morning to you. Good morning, Jeff. Thank you for having me on. It is my pleasure. By the way, folks, if you want to check out her website, it's com, and that your her last name is spelled M C Q U I S T E N. com. Carrie, I ask every candidate for office this question, and I'll ask you, why are you running for Oregon governor? <laughs> that seems to be the most common question, huh? Um, because I want to save Oregon. I mean, I'm sitting over here. I'm a seventh-generation Oregonian. My daughters are eighth-generation. We have a family cattle ranch. You know, you can't pick up and move land. I have a business. My friends and family are here. And I remember how Oregon used to feel when I was growing up here, and I would I would like to have that Oregon back. 
Yeah, because it sure seems different. I'm a fifth-generation Oregon farmer here in the Willamette Valley, and, and I mm-hmm. believe me, I get it as a natural resource person. Um, it seems like this state is run by the people out of Portland and that most of the policy in this state is directed at Portlanders and not at the rest of the state, like us. You know, and I hear that everywhere. So at this point in the campaign, I have been all over all 36 counties several times. I mean, I'm I'm up to probably five or six events in some of these counties. And when I started, you know, I'm based here in Northeast Oregon. And when I started the campaign, you know, I would hear about the East-West divide and the North-South divide. But it's really a very strong rural-urban divide. And when I listen to people from one corner of the state as opposed to the other corner of the state, they all sound the same. It, it really is that rural-urban divide, and people sound like Oregonians when you get out there. We're just Oregonians, and we're trying to bring our state back together. Well, um, how do you think we best do that? I mean, you know, obviously you're running for governor, and, and even when I served in the House of Representatives, it seemed that we, and we Republicans, were in control of the House and Senate during my eight years there. And it seems like we kept giving governors more power more and more power and to me this just doesn't seem to be smart and the legislature has to pull back from that and retain power at the local level and retain power frankly why should the legislature give up their power they do constantly and it's very was very frustrating to me so you as governor will have enormous powers that the legislature has given you so what are you going to do with that you know, probably give up some of those powers to tell you the truth, because right now we have no separation of the three branches. Okay, so we have an executive branch who is controlling the executive branch, and then with mandates, really, and OARs, bypassing the legislature through those and legislating, and then obviously the deck has been stacked at the judicial branch. And so we need to scale that back a little bit and get a check and balance in. Um, you know, with three branches being controlled by the same faction, there is no check and balance. And we desperately need someone who could get in place, um, start removing some of those OARs, start uh, stacking those boards and commissions with a different kind of individual, um, start vetoing things instead of just uh, nodding and agreeing. You know, that's not what we need. And the other part of that is, you know, I'm coming from a completely different part of the state from where you normally see candidates. And just being able to represent the entire state and understanding rural Oregon, but but also I graduated from Willamette University in Salem, so I get the absolute entire state. I'm I'm not coming in there just representing a faction. I think all those things combined would help. Well, indeed, in, indeed they they would. All right. So one of the questions uh, that I asked Bridget Barton yesterday when I had her on the show is is a question I want to ask you because I, I think it's relevant here. And it is simply this, is that because of the power of the governor's office and so much that the courts have allowed governors to do by executive order, when it comes to climate change policies that might be damaging Oregon and our economy and our, you know, again, natural resource people using ranching business, me and farming, what would you do immediately, if anything? Do you have a plan to deal with that? Where are you thinking on those things? Yeah, you, you know, we defeated cap and trade. That that shouldn't have been pushed through. But that's the first thing I need to tackle because she's broken up cap and trade into small pieces and pushed those through the DEQ as OARs, which should never have happened. That's incredibly damage, damaging to the to the state. I mean, everything is not about climate change and racial inequity. 
And that's exactly what's happened. That that theory has been pushed forth through all of our state agencies. If you start reading their vision statements, everything everything has to do with climate change. You know, accidents on the freeway, it's a racial inequity and climate change. Yes. That yes. attitude needs to be scaled back entirely. I completely agree. What about your thoughts on uh, pro-life, pro-choice? How, assuming you're pro-choice and, or excuse me, pro-life, you're not pro-choice. No, I'm, I'm But pro-life. how, how will you defend yourself from the Democrats who will use the same old tired lines that they use every time against any Republican man or woman? How are you going to defend yourself effectively to convince those woke Democrats that have woke up to tyranny and don't like it and those independent voters that you need to win. Well, and you know, I'm, I'm doing that already and it's not really a, a defense of myself because my position is what my position is and I'm not going to waver from it. But, you know, there's 25% of the extreme left that I, I'm not going to be able to convince or touch. I think you kind of touched on that in your intro. Um, but there's 75% of these folks that actually listen. I've had uh, d- Democrats, registered Democrats, lifelong Democrats come to some of my meet and greets. And when we sit down and talk and go back and forth, these folks end up agreeing with most of the issues that I agree with, usually except for the right to life issue. And when you come to the end of a conversation and you realize that 90 percent of the topics you agree on, you know, unless you're just a staunch one one issue voter, that's a vote that's going to come my way. And I'm finding that that's happening because people are so tired of not being able to have their children educated properly, not get mental health services, not reopen their businesses. Those issues outweigh the right to life issue, you know, with these hardcore Democrats. So that's what I'm finding out there. Very good. We're talking with Carrie McQuiston. She's Republican running for the Republican nomination. Uh, here in Oregon to take on whoever the Democrats put up and Betsy Johnson. So let, let's talk for a moment about about Betsy Johnson. Betsy, I know her well, Carrie, because I've served with her. She's a longtime friend of mine. She is a, she's a, a classic Democrat moderate. She's half Republican. She's half Democrat. So her message is to diss both parties. She's gotten a lot of money from Republican donors, and there are, and I've heard anecdotally from several conservative Republicans that I that I know that I've worked with politically that are very seriously considering voting for her. How are you going to win enough Republicans that they don't go to Betsy Johnson and some of those independents, along with some of the disaffected Democrats? Well, you know, first things first, we have to get through the primary, and Betsy's not coming in at the primary. So I kind of look at that as a two-step process. Uh, once I get through the primary to the general, but then Betsy comes into play. And honestly, she's not half Democrat, half Republican. Her voting record is primarily liberal. And I think that uh, both sides are probably going to be uh, looking at Betsy pretty closely because – uh, you know, if you're if you're a Democrat, why are you going to vote for Democrat light? You know, they're not. Um, if you're a conservative Republican, why are you really going to vote for someone who's primarily voted Democrat? You know, a Democrat light there also. It doesn't make any sense uh, being a splitter candidate. Um, historically, that type of candidate really has not been able to peel off enough votes from from both sides to make it through. Um, you know, the way I'm looking at it is actually a vote for Betsy is probably a vote for Tina. Tina Kotek. And so I'm hoping that Republicans 
hold together in the general enough to realize that? Because if, if we hold together as a group and vote conservative, we have it this time. You know, all Betsy has to do is peel off a few percentage points more from the Democrat side and we can flip the state red. But you have to hold Republicans to be able to do that. That's the key. Yeah. Is it not? That is the that is the absolute key. And I think when when Betsy's voting record, you know, and the fact that, you know, you go back to the pro-life issue, you know, she was president of Planned Parenthood in Oregon. When you start releasing things like that, and both sides will, um, that's going to split uh, off votes, I think, more from the, the Democrat side. And I, I do believe that Republicans will hold together in the end. So we got about a minute and a half left. Um, what do you think are truly the, the issues that are going to decide this election? Is it, na- is it national? Is it Biden's disapproval? Is, is it Democrats' disapproval? Uh, ratings are the highest ever uh, right now. Or is well, it inflation? Know, what helps. is it? <laughs> Well, it does. Yeah, it's all, what? Of, it, it's all of that together, you know, and it's, you know, an Oregon, Oregon focused statewide race that's coming under um, the umbrella of loss of freedom and complete mismanagement of the state in all areas. So that's what we're really looking at. Um, you know, you get crime, you, you get um, catastrophic wildfires through mismanagement, you get defunding our police, which is absolutely insane, and, and loss of parental rights. All of those fall into those same categories. Thank you, Carrie. We're at the end of our time. Folks, go visit her website, CarrieMcQuiston.com. Carrie, good luck out there. Thank you very much. Carrie McQuiston, ladies and gentlemen, CarrieMcQuiston.com. Back in a moment at 648. Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp. We are back. It is 10 minutes till the top of the hour. In a moment, we'll go to Jess. Uh, folks, got to remind you that Pfeiffer Roofing is, you know, they're one of these great mid-valley companies. They started in business in 1978. They've been here ever since then. They're second generation family owned now. And yes, they have this great product, Roof Max. You talk about it. This is this soybean based product that gets sprayed on your asphalt shingle roof. It gives it new life, extends the life of it instead of having to pay for a very expensive tear off and a whole new roof. And it does it at a fraction of the cost. But, you know, they do a lot of other good things like full roof replacement, and they can do any kind of a roof, including flat roofs, and they do the cleanup. But they also do roof repair. If you've got a problem, they can come in and fix it. They do roof cleaning. They do gutter systems, and they have a chat line. So if you go to their website, which is PfeifferRoofing.com, P-F-E-I-F-E-R, P-F-E-I-F-E-R, Roofing.com. You can look at the Roof Max product. That's, that's that product that I, you hear me talk about, extending the life of your roof. 
or you can see all of the other things that they do, or frankly, you can engage them in chat. You can also call them and they'll come out and give you a free estimate to do any of the great things they do. 503-647-4725. 647-4725. Let's go to Jess. Jess, good morning. Good morning. Well, that was a very nice interview. I've heard her before. Uh, I have, at this time, have a tendency to favor her and the gentleman from Vernonia. I think their morals and their their head and rationales are in the right place, and they also have uh, backgrounds that uh, make them very astute in the field. Referring to the Ukraine thing and and echoing pieces of Tim and Art and others, um, as I've taught my son, I said it was important, you know, post-World War II, because of World War II, which was the disruption or rearranging of the world furniture. And what we have here is uh, Putin is is uh, attempting through uh, lawless force uh, because these people aren't aggressors. So what I see is down and outright murder, uh, destruction, death, mayhem, uh, everything that you can think of the, to, to hurt people, uh, un, uh, uh, unwarranted. But the point being is, is that we need to, the world needs to, uh, rearrange our furniture in response to uh, Putin's force of rearranging his furniture, such as the Nord Stream 1 pipeline. Uh, Nord Stream 2, without a question, but Biden and company is a day late and a dollar short. Their feet are dragging. They're indecisive. And as usual, he's bloody well wrong. Uh, NATO's going to have to uh, step up their ante, and as people pointed out, now this stuff's going to be closer to their doorstep, and uh, and they're going to have to do what Trump had chided them to do, financially and otherwise. And so it's important now that the whole world, in response, rearrange the furniture and make permanent, on every level, sanctions or blockades against the Russian threat. So, so that means that's, that's cutting off – I mean, we, we import 10% of our oil from Russia now. That means cutting that off. And we don't have that to. Does. No, we, we don't have to, but Biden won't do what Trump did. I know. And that's open us up. What a dumb – And you know that. Yeah. So how, what how do the world – I mean, it, obviously, he wants to cause pain and suffering on us to try to get us to move to areas that we don't want to go to. That's right. And that's the point you they made about that one lady yesterday where she gas. didn't seem to have the idea of liberty, self-governance. Heck, we got the ability to cover our bases, but dummy up there who's still drooling on himself uh, won't do it because he's trying to put the hurt on us to get us to do things we don't want to do. But do you think the average so, person actually actually understands what you just said? Well, when you throw in the concept of liberty, liberty is self-governance. That is, here's the world in front of you. Pick up your hammer, your screwdriver, whatever, and go some, make something of it. It's not about, you know, standing around the government supposed to, you know, give you a case of pablum every month. That's not their bloody job. Their job is to fix the roads, blah, 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 and give us the opportunity to move about the cabin legally, lawfully, sanely, and freely to feed ourselves, clothe ourselves, et cetera, et cetera. That's what it's all about. It's not about, you know, well, I'm going to pretend I'm, you know, half this or, or one-sixteenth or one-billionth of a uh, something to gain favor or leverage and, and, and give me a handout. 
I mean, people don't realize. I talked to this silly paralegal years ago, and his concept on food stamps, the Oregon Trail card, was this. Well, we shouldn't turn that off because look at all the money it brings to the region. And I said, dude, what about the part where all the money leaves the region to go into there their coffers, shave go. off 20%, and then send back 80 if that at all? Hello, idiot. Well said, Turn Jeff, i got to let you go. Why are we well moving said. it down there and then bringing it back? That's exactly right. The and, and this, folks, this is why I'm so grateful for people like Jess and others that have this perspective. This, the, the common man's perspective and woman's perspective, like you and I have. Because when, when you mm. talk about these things in those terms, it's common sense. And it appeals to people. Yeah. And right now, people are willing to be appealed to. There's a new poll that finds that Republicans hold a historic lead over Democrats in the 2022 ballot. And this is not just Congress, folks. It's far deeper than that. It is stunning, the numbers. And even ABC News put out a graph about this. I mean, it truly is stunning. You need to remember, so I, I have been hearing, I, I have been saying, rather, this could be bigger than 2010. In 2010, Republicans in the House, U.S. House alone, picked up 60 seats. Could 2022 be even bigger? Yes, it could. Mm -hmm. It is likely to be even bigger. Now, I've been also telling you that in 2010, in Oregon, we picked up six seats in the Oregon House of Representatives for a 30-30 tie. Nobody saw that coming. I didn't see it coming. In the Senate, we almost went to a 15-15 tie. We picked up two seats and barely lost the other one by 280 votes. I'm telling you, this could be bigger. But not if you and I don't get engaged, even at the most basic level. And that's making sure everybody around you is registered to vote first. And then secondly, having these persuasive conversations. Dale writes an email, said, I didn't hear about the Silverton Freedom Rally Saturday that occurred over the weekend until yesterday. Most common thing I've observed with people I speak to is that they're not hearing of these rallies. I attended the trucker rally at the Capitol two Saturdays ago. Nasty cold hampered the Turk. But I wonder how many more might have shown up if they had only known. God bless people who arrange these rallies. The dollars in the effort that goes in them can't be taken for granted. I think financial backers need to consider much heavier and longer pre-event promotion. God bless and save the Ukrainians. Yeah, that's so right. We have to continue to get the message out. That's why each one of you are so important. I hope you've enjoyed the show today. Thank you for those who have participated, those for listening. Remember, go to kerrymcquiston.com. Check it out. Folks, we'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will be, too. Keep praying and fighting for everything you believe in for America and for the Ukrainians. See you then.